This podcast is brought to you by our patrons on Patreon. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of any agency of Pants Pending Studios. Assumptions made within the podcast are not reflective of the position of any Pants Pending entity. As some of you may have noticed, we have slowed down considerably in the production of these episodes. For that, I apologize. To those of you whom told me that I've made a marketable improvement on your days with my shows, I feel I've done you a disservice. And I have explained recently why the slowdown happened via the Facebook page, but I feel like I should share with you from my voice as well. These episodes are very hard for me to do. With how deeply I must expose myself and my disease to the public, it is entirely exhausting and painful. Reliving some of my worst memories through writing and then words is awful. It's a constant reminder that I haven't gotten far enough in my self-care to have grown bigger than it. I still succumb to my illness, meds or no meds. My worst enemy is still myself, much more than anyone else. It built over the ten initial episodes we did, whether it was what I said or things others said when they submitted or even appeared on the show. Hearing about how others do in fact suffer as much, if not more, than I do really puts a weight in my heart. I strive every day trying to bring smiles and laughs and comfort to others in hopes that no one has to feel the way I do, and I feel that much worse when I find that there are others who do feel as bad, and those who do feel so much worse. With all that culminating in my mind, I needed to take a break. And I'm still in that break today. Yet, here we are, with another episode for you. This is not me pushing through and being the person I dream I can be for you. No, I am still wallowing in self-hatred and depression. No, this is an episode from another person. Someone from within Pants Pending Studios, who felt they needed to contribute to the show. He has a very unique perspective on all of this, and I think you all deserve to hear from him. Listeners, Please lend your ears to Will Gilman. Yes, that loud, crude, brusque, funny man from The Hustle. And frequent appearances on the Never Ending Random Discussion. You might think of him out of place due to what you know of him on the shows, but you're about to meet Will for the first time. And I think he has some great things to say to you. And I hope you can take inspiration from Will, as I have myself taken inspiration from him. Without further ado, let's get into the show. Welcome to the Darkest Corner Podcast, presented by Pants Pending Studios. Your look inside the life of mental illness. I am your host and story sharer, Will. Allow me to begin with a little bit of truth that may or may not have to do with uh, my state of mind. I say this because if it sounds like I'm reading this, it is because I am. Those of you who have heard me on the other podcasts on this fine network know me to be a bit of a loud, sarcastic, inappropriate kid who usually says whatever is on the tip of his tongue. I like that guy. He's kind of my Tyler Durden. 
He's who I would be were I not so constantly afraid. To put it bluntly, he's a persona. I decided if I'm going to do this, I'm going to go all the way with it. I want to be real and honest. And I don't want a stupid joke, innuendo, or anything like that to get in the way. Needless to say, I really only trust myself to be like that while carefully reading a script. I want to be real and honest, and I hope I don't let you down. So why even do this? Didn't Andrew already cover the idea of coping with comedy? He absolutely did, and with a sniper's accuracy. It took me two or three attempts to listen to it, which is not an indictment on him at all. It was like hearing echoes of things I've said and done bouncing back at me as if I were shouting them into the Grand Canyon of behavior justification. So again, why do this? I suppose my reasons are twofold. First, I hope that hearing my story and words can help you. You, the listener, will know that you are far from alone, that there are many of us out here and we come in all shapes and sizes. For the sake of the presentation, I'm going to assume that you, the listener, are also dealing with your own mental illness and try to address that correctly. If you're not and are just a curious person, when I refer to another illness sufferer as you, I hope you won't take offense. Second, selfishly, I hope this can help me as quote-unquote together as I may come across at or on shows. I spend a lot of time learning to be okay with not being okay. If by taking some serious reflecting time and shifting my perception inward, maybe it will help. And seeing as how I'm a hammy performing kind of guy, I'd only take the time for this inner cataloging if it meant sharing it with the world. I'm trying to help us both. I have to say I admire Andrew for being able to put something like this together on the basis he does. Ask me to ramble and be funny? That's easy. I can talk for hours at a time. Ask me to be real? Not easy at all. I don't know how he does it. So let's dive in, shall we? I am 36 years old with chronic severe depression, severe anxiety, mild borderline personality disorder, an arachnoid cyst in my brain, and relapsing, remitting multiple sclerosis. That's a mouthful, and that's what I wake up to every day. I'll be honest, there are some days I just want to wrap myself up in a cocoon of blankets and hope I emerge later as a beautiful butterfly. But I've never really considered myself or anything I've done as beautiful. Now, that could be my mental illness talking especially due to many people telling me different, but I've always considered myself an ugly nobody who has never done anything of note and is too scared of his own shadow more often than not to do anything about it. A guy who will die alone due to a hideous face, a fat body, and an astounding level of awkwardness. As I'm writing this, I am physically shaking and I can only imagine how shaky my voice sounds in this moment. Confronting your personal kryptonite isn't easy. Generally, stories of where people went right tend to be better than where people went wrong. But, let's be honest, in our minds, we don't have many of those stories, do we? 
I was first diagnosed with my depression at 18. There was this program through my mom's work where the employee and her family could each receive 10 visits with a therapist at no cost. I was feeling down and had a decent idea how far from normal I was, so I lied to her, saying I was looking for weight loss advice. To her credit, she was a bit more perceptive than I had given her credit for and saw through my use of my weight as an excuse. The doctor I saw there was a kind and gentle older man, and we bonded immediately. Neither of us wanted to end the sessions after the tenth week, but based on the program, we had to. The doctor he referred me to was an a-hole, who bluntly told me he wanted to put me on enough medications to ostensibly turn me into a robot. He said feeling nothing would be good for me for a while. Needless to say... Never saw that doctor again. As it stands now, I am on 225 milligrams of Effexor and 150 milligrams of Wellbutrin each day. It's a cocktail that has kept me sane-ish. At the very least, it's kept me out of the hospital. The first time I was hospitalized was the culmination of a very long day. From the second I woke up, I knew I was feeling unusually down. Normally, when that happens, I try to feed it. Literally. So I went to a pizza lunch buffet. As delicious as that gluttony was, well, to be honest, I guess I'm just assuming it was delicious. I don't actually remember. I was in such a manic state, my memory of the events of that day are choppy at best. I continued stewing, and my mind continued spinning until later in the evening when I decided I needed a drumstick ice cream cone. I left the house. Instead of turning right to head to the convenience store, I turned left. Instead of entering a freezer section, I walked onto a bridge. Instead of biting into ice creamy goodness, I was stepping over a rail. An extremely loud car horn brought me back to reality. I, I got down and maniacally walked away as quickly as possible. Before I knew it, I was miles away from that bridge and trying to call my friend and roommate, Delina. We met, had some food, and she saw nothing but trouble in my eyes. She said I should check myself in. I didn't need much convincing. She saved my life that night. I've never hesitated to let her know and thank her for that fact. I promised myself and promised her I would never allow myself to get low enough that I would end up back there again. Four months ago, I broke that promise. I haven't been the same man since. How could I be? I lost. I was defeated. Sleep is both the worst and greatest thing in the world. Great, because once in slumber town, all worries slip away. There is peace and comfort and all that is left are your dreams. Sure, reality is out there. But for that time, it isn't a concern. It isn't a worry. Possibly your only worry is the alarm clock going off. The worst part about sleep at least for me, is getting there. I don't know about you, 
but getting my mind to just settle down and stay quiet seems like an almost insurmountable struggle. Every time I wake up, I'm amazed I was able to drift away to begin with. I lay there and my mind goes through things I messed up that day, or week, or month, or whatever events from my recent or distant past it seems to bring up at random. If you entered my head at that moment, it might sound like this. Hmm, should I have a burrito? Nah, you're fat enough, aren't you? My shoulder's been hurting a lot lately. I hope I don't have shoulder cancer. Cancer? wonder what my horoscope was today. I hope someday my brother's first baby mama will forgive me for making fun of her once when I was ten. Wouldn't it be nice if we were older, then we wouldn't have to wait so long. What was that song called? Hey, remember that girl at work? I wonder what it would feel like to be rejected by her. Great thinking, Will. She may not reject you, moron. Oh, that song is called Wouldn't It Be Nice. That makes sense. I'm thinking of letting my hair grow in. Will it look as ridiculous as I assume it will? I'd better not talk to Adam today. He hates me. I mean, I don't know if he hates me, but I haven't talked to him in a while, so he has to, right? What kind of burritos do I have in the freezer? Should I tell the girl that I'm crushing on that I'm crushing? Crushing? What are you, a 17-year-old girl? 17? That's how old you were when you broke your back. Remember crossing that street? Suddenly you were airborne? You deserved that, didn't you? That car should have killed you, but no! You had to just live, jerk. And so on, and so on. Panic will set in, and... Inevitably, I'll be physically shaking, squeezing my head at the ears, trying to shut all the noise out. I want to scream, but no sound comes out of my mouth, just tears flowing from my eyes. Eventually, I either pass out from the panic, or I'm able to get over it and sleep peacefully. I wish the panic-to-peace ratio was remotely even, but to be honest, panic wins far more often than not. Everything is hard. For me, it will only get harder. The only easy day was yesterday. The physical pain is omnipresent, and the mental pain hovers over like a storm cloud, dropping rain over the same area of land with constant fury. The fact that the land seems to be flooding doesn't matter, because the weatherman insists there is nothing but more rain ahead. I know I've let you in on quite a bit of darkness, illness, and shame. But if that was all I had to offer, I feel like I would be doing you, the listener, and I, the storyteller, a disservice. We know there's more to it than that. Because, quite simply, we are not our disease. Uh, Let me say that part again, even if it is only for my own benefit. We are not our disease. I knew that needed to be repeated, because sometimes it's a struggle to get that through my own thick skull. There are days that are harder. Some days I feel defeated, but fortunately for now, they are fewer and further between than the days where I feel empowered and strong. I am not multiple sclerosis. I am not anxiety. I am not depression. 
and neither are you. Our only limits are those of our imagination and fortitude, which I admit are in very short supply on the hard days. But we have to keep going. Since my original diagnosis, I've been a professional wrestler, an award-winning playwright, an actor in many plays and films, a radio personality, a semi-successful improvisational and stand-up comic, and have eaten many pizzas. All while being certain that everything I did was pure garbage and considering myself the zilch of all zilches. I guess I'm kind of selfish, but even though in my mind I feel like I'm giving the world nothing but poop, I still feel the need to give it. I suppose what I want to say most is, don't give up. And trust me, I know that it is a lot easier to say and advise others to do than to do myself. Happiness is a skill. I've met some people who are so chipper that they are to happiness what LeBron James is to basketball. So good at it. So natural, and they make it look easy. That's not us, is it? We have to work at happiness just that much more. We have to get our reps in at the happy gym, and that can be tough when the entirety of your being feels so heavy you can't even lift your cheeks to force a smile. Keep moving forward. On the days where you can't or won't, don't let it defeat you. Even LeBron James gets an off-season. Normally, this is the point where Andrew would read a listener's submission and offer advice or encouragement or both. When we talked about my doing this, he thought I would be able to offer a unique perspective that he couldn't. I hope he's right. Please keep that in mind, because despite the message saying, Hey, Andrew, it'll be me answering it. Here we go. Hey, Andrew, I want to say that I admire you for offering this kind of help for listeners. It is wonderful to know that there is someone who is listening. I hope you are doing well and keeping strong, and thank you for all of your hard work. I came here to ask advice for a dear friend of mine. She's a certified nursing assistant and has lost three residents who practically became her family. They say to keep professional distance, but it is unbelievably hard to not care when you are the one providing care for someone whose family hardly visits them. She was sad during those, but she lost a close younger friend recently and it broke her. I am floundering in how to help her. I want to be there for her, but I just don't know what to do besides patting her and saying she'll be okay. Do you know any way to help her cope with her loss? Thank you for listening. Tanya. First of all, let me echo your statements to Andrew. I'll admit I hesitated to listen to this show. I had a genuine fear that listening to this show would cause me to spiral down into a hole of self-hatred, self-pity, and wallowing in my own depression. As I was putting together what I was going to say on here, I listened to a few episodes, and it hit me how brave he is for sharing the way he does. He's willing to look all of this in the eye and be able to analyze it. I admire his ability to do so. That motivated me to share as well. Originally, I was doing this selfishly, as, as sort of a means of therapy. 
Now I'm not sure, but I know I wanted to confront my illness head on without jokes or personas to hide behind. To just be Will, like when Andrew is just Andrew, it's powerful. Okay, enough stroking of Andrew's ego. Not that there's much to stroke, but you know. And let's talk about Tanya. I hate seeing my friends and loved ones suffer in any way. My father is currently fighting cancer for the fifth time, and all I want to do is recreate the scene in The Matrix when Neo restarted Trinity's heart. But instead of restarting a heart, I'd pull out the cancer and crush it beneath my feet. Whenever I'm in an accident or anything like that, the way I usually phrase it is, fortunately I was the only one hurt. Some look at me sideways, but I'd rather it be me that suffers than any of them. Keeping a professional distance is a skill I never mastered. I was asked to resign as a volunteer from an organization helping children at one point, because rather than let one of the kids be homeless, my roommates and I let her move in to the extra room we had. To this day, I don't regret that decision. There's a certain kind of love that is generated in these type of situations, a type that more and more feels like we are losing as a society. When I meet someone who is able to care that deeply for others, it is an instant beacon of light and hope. It makes me think that maybe there's a chance for us after all. That maybe the ship of humanity won't quite crash into the shore. Tanya, it sounds like your friend is one of those beacons. Unfortunately, much like the lighthouse that my metaphor is based upon, there are times when maintenance is needed for the light to shine as brightly as it possibly can. Patting her, hugging her, and telling her it will be okay seems like a great start to me. It is showing your friend that you are there to listen if they want to open up. I would suggest making sure that your friend understands that, that they know there is no wrong time to call or text, or even a really long email if that's your friend's style. I'd also suggest a little normality as well. Here's what I mean. Find an activity, a gathering place, or something similar that you know you both enjoy. Go there. Do that. Even if your friend is difficult about coming along. One of the best ways to show them that things like this are normal and life will keep moving forward is to present them with some normal. The good normal. The kind of normal that fostered the friendship to begin with. Sometimes the best way to be there for your friend is simply that. To be there. To hang out, watch a movie, gossip. I'm just making activity assumptions, but I think you understand what I mean. Don't pressure them to talk about it, but make sure you let your friend know that they are not alone. You're there, even if it's just to watch a movie you've seen a dozen times. In my experience, the darkness is always the worst when you feel like you're alone with it. Be the beacon of light for your friend that they have been for others. Show your friend the brightness of your affection for them, and that there is still life to be lived, and things are not always dark forever. Thank you for your submission, Tanya. I, I know I also speak for Andrew when I wish you the best for you and your friend. Okay. It looks like we are nearing the end of my little contribution to this corner of the world. 
wanted to leave you all with two quotes that speak volumes to me, even on the darkest days. Both are from one of my favorite poets, a man named Charles Bukowski. When I read the first, it was such a breakthrough to me that I carried around a printed meme of it in my wallet for a long time. The quote is, What matters most is how well you walked through the fire. There are times when all this illness feels like it is going to burn me to the ground, and who knows, maybe it will. Until then, I plan to walk as much as I can with my head held high. Besides, let's be honest, oftentimes fire is cool to look at. The other quote, I think, speaks for itself. Sometimes you climb out of bed in the morning and you think, I'm not going to make it. But you laugh inside, remembering all the times you felt that way. Be the light. Be the fire. And if there are times you don't feel like you can, remember that you've done it before, and you can get off the mat one more time. We're in this together. We're like Forrest Gump and Bubba in the jungles of Vietnam. We'll lean against each other when we need to. That way none of us have to sleep with our faces in the mud. As Andrew would say, truly have an absolutely fantastic day. You deserve it. And as I would say, have fun, chase whimsies, and don't be afraid to say yes. Normally, I'd probably say more, but from there it would devolve into language that would cause the mature banner And much like Andrew, I want this project to reach as many people as possible. Thank you for listening to The Darkest Corner. Remember, Andrew's ears are always open, as are mine. You can find me on Twitter, at Will Gilman. Gilman is spelled with one L. Submit your stories to CelebrateGeek.com slash DC Questions. Become a patron at Patreon.com slash PantsPending. Selfishly, I'm going to leave you with two more Bukowski quotes. If only so that I can hear myself say them, because I know they'll help all of us. Some people never go crazy. What truly horrible lives they must live. And drink from the well of yourself and begin again. Remember that people care. Remember that you are unique and beautiful. And remember that not every step back is a retreat. Sometimes it's just part of the dance. Thank you for listening. I'll do my best to keep moving forward, and I hope you will as well.
This podcast is a Pants Pending Studios production. And part of the Pants Pending Studios podcast network. Find more of our great shows just by searching Pants Pending in your podcatcher. For more information or to contact us directly, visit us at pantspending.com. Please subscribe to this show, share it with your friends, like it on Facebook, and rate it on iTunes. And we thank you for making us a part of your listening day. Pants Pending. Pants Pending. Pants Pending. Pants Pending. Pants Pending. Pants Pending. pending. Studios! (laughs) 